Welcome one, welcome all. You are in the WordPress shop and your wonderful hosts, Adam and Colleen, are here to guide you through answering all of your questions about WordPress. This is a topic that Adam and Colleen both love geeking out about. They are here for it. I'm Colleen LeMasters of Colleen LeMasters Creative, and I specialize in WordPress websites, both design and development. I use thoughtful strategy to create beautifully crafted and optimized websites that are also easy to manage on a day-to-day basis for my clients. Adam Miggetts, located in South Carolina, is a web developer focused on integrating custom functionality to websites. Now let's jump into the episode. I'm going to start with some some basic WordPress about the difference between pages and posts because um, that's actually been a question that I I sometimes gloss over and it's something that people um, they don't necessarily know when to use a post or or better yet when to extend the functionality of post and how you can make use of custom post types and all that kind of good stuff so so yeah I. I'm wondering if anyone has any thoughts on, you know, sort of that custom post type and any fun ways that they have used custom post types um, or if they have used custom post types in any of their um, their builds or for clients or for themselves um, or if you have any questions about that. Um, I love them. They're just I can extend them to basically do whatever I need to do. So, um, yeah, if anyone has any any thoughts on on that as well, I will share you know, most of the custom post types that I'm doing are, I, I I should put a caveat out there that I know that there are plenty of plugins that do what I do for custom post types or various functionality of WordPress. But more often than not, I prefer to code my own only because I find that a lot of the plugins come with all the extra stuff that I don't need. So I, you know, if I just need like a brass tacks, um, you know, add a team member and a, a team member custom post type, I will usually code that out. So um, I, I do offer these solutions up with the caveat that, yes, I know there are plugins that that offer this, but um, again, I prefer to code my own. So that's one that I use more, more commonly or more frequently um, than anything would be team members for creating company bios and things like that, where, you know, it's easier to, you can rearrange them in a in an easier way, I've, I typically arrange them by category slash department, and so that way, you know, as employees come and go, it makes it easy for my clients to update that information um, on the fly because they just have to remove the bio and the rest of the the team page filters around that and flows. But you know, for plugins, I I do use for event custom post types. I tend to use the events calendar from Modern Tribe. Um, actually, I don't even think Modern Tribe owns that anymore. I think they got bought. Um, but anyway, that's been my kind of go-to for events if I'm doing a plugin, but essentially that is just a custom post type, but it just has so many other integrations that often come in handy. So in that instance, it's quicker. So Adam, I don't know if you have any uh, thoughts on custom post types, but I will, I'll send it your way and get your thoughts on it. I love custom post types. I mean, the, that's the, that's one of the, one of the features of WordPress na- uh, native functionality that you can just, you know, basically say, hey, do whatever you want, <laughs> um, which is just, you know, just amazing because WordPress.org is just, you know, like, here's all these things. Here's this huge structure, database, uh, functions built in, do, go, go at it, go nuts uh, without, without trying to do all that first build and then build on top of that. So you can just, you know, extend 
the functionality. But I have, like, for instance, I um, when I just actually I'm doing I'm trying rebranding my site. Um, I actually I know everybody uses Calendly and different things for booking sites, but of course, being the dev person I am, I'm like I I have to do it myself. I can't <laughs> I can't uh, I can't use a third party. So I use custom post types to keep track of all of the. Uh, what was I calling it? Entries, right? That that people, you know, if they if they come in as a, you know, whatever, come in as a, a contact, you know, in a certain form or contact on a, on form or link or whatever, and I'll keep track of that and just send it into custom post, post type of entry, and then I can just go go into the entry and add notes and, you know, do whatever I want, you know, export it if I want, but just you know, see it real quick, uh, all of the entries in one, one one place. So very convenient. Love that. But you can, with custom post types, I mean, I, I just, that's one aspect, right? So you can, you can set it up, like you were saying, categorize them, you know, it's, you know, you do quick queries by whatever, by name, by, you know, status, uh, whatever it is, and pull whatever you need to do, present it on whatever page you need, um, into a list, into a page, into whatever, and uh, just very handy to initiate. It's uh you know, setting up with using one native uh, native function, Word, WordPress function, you know, what is it? I think it's just uh, register post type, I believe is the, uh, I could be wrong about that. But it's, uh, and then you put in all the, all the nice juicy tidbits about what you want and done. So it's, it's uh, makes it very convenient. So love it, love it. Adam, I'll jump in real quick. You know, the, the cool thing about custom post types too is that you don't have to create necessarily a template because they use those, they use the, you know, the fallback is the WordPress template. So you already have a single.php, you already have an archive.php. So you're not, I mean, you can, and that opens it up to quite a bit. More often than not, I do customize the templates for my custom post types just because usually the reason I'm using them is, you know, I want a specific layout or category or, you know, that sort of thing, but you, you don't have to, you're not beholden to doing that. So um, that's one thing I really did want to point out really quickly as well. Yes, I didn't, you know, again, I'm not doing a lot of the front front end stuff myself that somebody else does that usually, but yeah, that's uh, you can, yeah, if you need to, to, to display it, you can use the built-in, or you don't have to use the built-in, or you can use the built-in uh, layouts, uh, or, you know, depending on how the theme designs it and sets it up in those in those theme files, um, but, or choose not to, then you can use, as I do also, just, you know, present it however you want. Um, that's usually what I, what's kind of works better for me, because then I can control the the custom design or custom layout to say, okay, client wants, you know, only display this, 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 have access to this, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. So it's such a, such a cool, convenient tool. It really is. You know, like I said, I use it almost all the time. And uh, most of the time, the native post feature of WordPress is, it's not necessarily, you know, most of my clients are not using it for, for blog functionality necessarily, but we'll use it for news. And, you know, it's a non-traditional 
you know, just calling it something else, but it still behaves like a blog. So it's, you know, their, their newsroom is the, the native posts because really that's what posts are. It's just a custom, it's not a custom post type. It's just a post type called posts. And so I, you know, if you think of ways that you would use your posts now, and then think about how you can extend that into other functionality, you know, it really can open some, some cool doors with WordPress. You know, I just, I always think about the ways that I can use posts in, in more than one method. Cause I don't want to muddy the waters, right? I don't want to like just use posts for multiple types of information, but you know, I can use the same, you know, architecture or the same, same code setup really. And I can have posts be my newsroom. I can have a custom post type that, you know, operates the same way, but it only contains the information as it relates to team members or events. And so you have suddenly you create all these buckets for, and you can organize your content and you can filter content and give, give the people what they want. But, you know, if you're making it easier for your users to find information on your website, that is going to, you know, in, in the long run, boost your, your, interactions and things like that. And so, you know, people will be spending time on your site because they can readily find what they want. You know, they don't have to dig around for it and then get frustrated and be like, ah, that's it, I'm out of here. So if you can find ways to kind of segment your content and a lot of times custom post types help with that. So that's, that's really why I use them so frequently. Want to throw a question out to you, Adam, and I know you don't do a lot of front end dev, so, but I don't find myself using the tag function in WordPress, you know, with the posts and custom post types, I don't use tags very often. I do use categories and I will, I'll use categories, but then rename them. So they're not like they're functioning as categories and they're hierarchical, but they're not called categories. Would like to know if anyone has any thoughts on the purpose of tags or give some examples because I'm just not finding a need for them. And maybe it's just because I haven't hit on that right you know, use case scenario yet, but I, I don't ever really use them and they're just kind of hanging out there. Is there anything that I'm missing? I'm sure a lot of people do use them. I, I mostly use categories, uh, but there's one project I actually did use tags only because the, somebody I was working with, they started using tags in their, or how they were presenting. Uh, let's see, I'm trying to think now, I'm trying to think back this is a few years ago. So I'm trying to remember the, the details. I believe they're using tags as a, as of course, basically categories, but uh, so basically categorical, but they're using cat tags to set apart different uh, pro product, uh, not product. Yeah, I guess products. So they, they were selling, they were, they were, so you see had one service of product, they were marketing it to different uh, industries. So they were separating it out with the different tags. So that way, you know, using certain tags that we kind of, not reserved, but just, you know, used for that specific thing, then I would take those tags, whatever's there, and I would actually go through and say, okay, for these tags, use, you know, you know, pull from this information, you know, for this industry. So we'd grab that class model and use that information rather than another, rather than another information or industry information. So I was we were kind of using it like that. So again, you know, we can use it however you want. Yeah, I've been trying to figure out and, you know, it's funny because people ask me, oh, what's the difference between categories and tags? And it's, I, I tend to be a visual learner. And so if I can set up, you know, sometimes it's hard to always have a visual example, but if I can set up a use case scenario for them, then they would understand. And frankly, maybe I would understand, but the, the typical 
the typical setup and my understanding is, is that, you know, usually something would belong to a single category, but could cross tag. So I, for example, like recipes, let's say you're a recipe blogger and, and that's kind of my go-to example. And tell me if I'm, I'm thinking of this correctly, but as a recipe blogger, you have recipes that are, you know, categories, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then I always think of it, I guess, and this is really the only use case that I've come up with that makes sense is your categories, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then your tags would be, you know, beef, chicken, eggs, or like, you know, the main or vegan or low sodium. I'm assuming because the tags can then be into any category, but really your, you know, your breakfast foods aren't going to necessarily be in your dinner foods per se. I mean, I've been known to have breakfast for dinner, but for the example here, you know, I, I think that really is the only use case that I've come across for tags. And because again, I just am relying, you know, mainly on categories, but I'd be interested to hear if anyone else has some, some examples that would help me better understand tags. It's there to use in case you need, you know, extra, you know, search to use it in an extra search, you know, um, categorical type system rather than use categories or subcategories. But I think for the main cases, people are, you know, be satisfied just using categories um, and not doing post tags as, as what I've seen anyway. Um, not a lot of people use it, but um, they're there. It's the tool ready to use. Um, I didn't realize that it was, you know, good practice to maybe no index your tag. I might have to relook. I, I mean, I've been messing with my own site for so long. And so I need to do some, some housekeeping, but I will make sure that I no index my tags because you're right. It's just, it, you know, that would be kind of redundant, frankly, they're already going to be, that content will be indexed by, by category. And so I've, I mean, I'm kind of doubling down, I guess, if I'm indexing my tags. Yeah, I, I mean, the thin content totally makes sense. And I do have some, and it's like, oh, I'm going to create this tag. And I'm actually going to, you know, give this article a tag because I think I'm probably going to write more about this in the future, this particular tag. And then, you know, sure enough, there's, here's something, a tag with like one post in it or two posts. And it's just like, that was, that was silly. So I am going to go in there and, and set that and fix that right later this afternoon. Yeah, like with this example I was posting or I was saying, you know, about the project I worked, they they were basically using it for internal use, you know, basically, you know, a categorical system for different in, to trigger it off different industries to diff, to do certain things, whatever it's going to do for the for whatever uh whatever they they chose whatever they chose uh, whatever product they, the the user actually chose. So, that was just another way to use it. Nice. Thank you. That was that was great information. So we are talking WordPress, you know, covering all things. So custom post types, categories, tags, you know, best practices for using WordPress and some of the fun things you could do because, you know, obviously WordPress started as a blogging software and it has it has morphed tremendously. So always love hearing about how people are using WordPress. Here's something fun that if you are like if you've been using WordPress for a long time, and I'm talking long time, you may have a custom post type in your dashboard that you don't even realize is still there. And, and I should probably do away with it now, but because it's just hanging out. I have links in my left, you know, my flyout nav. I have a links, which was part of the original blogging software of, you know, like 
back when everyone first started blogging and you had a blog role and it was like, hey, if you read my blog, you might like so-and-so's blog or you might like so-and-so's blog. And that's where you could add those links in. So that's how you can tell how old a WordPress install is, is whether or not you have links as a custom post type in your your nav there. I'm looking and I, I'm looking at my list. It doesn't, based on my theme, this does not print out anywhere, but because my website originally started as a blog, Back in 2008, 2007, 2008, I kind of can't remember now. Um, but I still have a couple links in there that are in my dashboard, even though I don't show them in my sidebar. So all of a sudden, I'm, I'm dating my WordPress self here. So that's crazy. I didn't realize that links were just another custom post type. And they're just there taking up real estate in my nav. So fun times. Yes, go through and unregister. Use the unregister. Unregister that post type. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the other feature is, is you know, it, it, that's how just as easy as you can register your own post types, you can unregister them. So, you know, it's uh, again, WordPress, you know, so many different, the framework contains so many different function functions that you just tap into. It's like, oh, okay, it's already there. And I mean, people forget also about the, I use it all the time, or not all the time, but a lot, a lot, but people forget about uh, custom routes you can create your own route uh, what i mean about that is suppose you're tapping into payment a, a gateway so like paypal stripe even has web you know something with a web hook that's going to you know when something triggers on their site certain action you know a transaction goes through uh, on a certain status you can have a place calling a route and give it a route to back to your wordpress site set up the route and then it goes back to that route it'll go back to the route you put in your callback function to, to handle you know whatever it does so that you can easily update and keep your own site uh up to date or or maybe send yourself another email or whatever you want to do so that's just very again another handy convenient thing to set up i know there are so many things it's it's interesting because putting custom post types and different custom routes like you're talking about plugins versus theme additions, you know, like, what are you putting in your theme versus what are you putting in as a plugin? So if you, for example, you know, change themes, that if it's native to your theme, you know, some of that, the information that you've put in, in the database won't necessarily go away, but you know, a new theme won't know what to do with it. And so it's interesting that you have the ability for plugins. So plugins, as long as you don't deactivate the plugin, you know, a custom post type will hold no matter what, what theme you may have to figure out, you know, how to get it to show up, but it's easier to manage in plugin form versus in a native theme form. But I could also see the benefit of putting some of the, like the design choices in a theme, you know, as you know, some some custom fields as it relates to design in a theme. So you have quite a bit of play when it comes to managing and displaying data. You know, you can you can, for lack of a better word, intake that data via plugin or theme, and you can output it in a theme, sure. But as a plugin, you can output it as well and have it go cross themes. Thoughts on theme? additions versus plugins? Yeah, it's uh, it's always, I mean, I, I tend to go the plugin route because the theme people, it depends, again, it depends on the situation. If somebody, I've had a, a situation, uh, I've had a client where 
they're, I'm like, well, do you, you know, change out your theme all the time or, or frequently, or do you like to change it out? Do you like to use different themes? And he was like, no, we have, we've had this one custom theme that was created for us. We'll never, we'll always have it, never change. You know, the theme will always be there. So he wanted to just have me tap in and add things right to the theme or, you know, tap in from the, some of the filters that were set up and just, you know, go that route. Um, so that way it's never going to change. But again, with WordPress, because it's so easy to change themes, if you need so, you can just, you know, change out the themes so you have different layouts and whatever the theme offers. And then, you know, your plugins will do the functionality of, you know, whatever they're supposed to do. Like I just recent, recently, for my own site, since I'm redoing things, I was like, I basically made one large plugin that did, it, it was starting to get a little too big because I'm like, all right, now, now I'm doing this, this, you know, I'm doing, I was putting everything in there. And I'm like, you know what? I should really separate this out. So I separated the functionality from one huge plugin into bite-sized ones. So like, you know, plugin just to do handle the booking, you know, plugin just to handle other certain things that I have going on. So it just, it just made it a little cleaner and nicer for, or at least me when I have to go in and, and uh, do any kind of, you know, housekeeping. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, and, you know, a lot of times I will do plug-in for information that won't change. You know, like that's where the team members kind of custom post type comes in because regardless of theme, that team member information will stay the same. However, if it's more design related, say, you know, let's, let's say I created a meta box for because uh, back before Gutenberg was a thing, it was create a meta box for like a hero image on each page, right? So that's more design related. So I would pack that in the theme. But, you know, that's part of the the reason that my clients come to me is because they want it as easy as possible. They're also not necessarily a lot of times in, in the market for themes, act like active actively changing themes. They've come to me because they want me to manage the site and the design. And if they ever do a redesign, it's a whole huge thing. And luckily they usually come back to me for that sort of thing a couple of years down the road. And then I already know what, what fields I can pull from because I created the originals. But there are those times where if they, they go to another designer or developer that I want to make it easy to, you know, to migrate a theme. And so you have to think about that when you're, when you're making your your themes and your designs. Yes. Yeah. Making, making things easier is, is better, you know, because like you said, if somebody, you know, if they don't go back to you for some reason, your client goes to somewhere else, somebody else now does it. Now they have to try to figure out, you know, what the theme is and, and stuff, uh, which I've done. Like I said, that the one client that was stuck on their theme, which was, you know, at that point many years ago, and I had to, you know, I had access to everything, but I had to kind of go through and, and say, okay, what are they doing? Give, you know, so it was, you know, uh, uh, quite a, quite a, you know, it was fun because I like code, but I had to go through and just kind of figure out what, or, you know, what and why they were doing certain things and how. And, and again, it was from many years ago. So it was, uh, that is a tricky, style, kind of that is that. a tricky place to come in because I feel that way. Even if someone, you know, like a lot of small businesses that were starting out in the, you know, early pandemic days, they're, you know, they're like, oh, this is a bootstrap. I just need to get a website up. And I'm like, well, you know, like I also need to pay my bills. So I can't, can't just give you something for free. So they'd be like, well, I already have this theme. You know, I went on Theme Forest or I went on, you know, Invato Marketplace, got this, this theme set up. And I'm like, oof, because they, those, number one, those themes, they always look so nice in the demo, but 
I don't think they make it very easy for someone who is non code or this isn't what they do on a daily basis. They, they can't make it look exactly like the demo more often than not without importing an entire demo content thing that then they just go in and change it on a one-off. And the reason I bring that up is because I have now started saying like, I can't work in necessarily in other people's themes just because if, unless it's like basic, like, Hey, I just don't want to update my WordPress like pages and stuff. And, and it's working in the WordPress dashboard. That's a little bit of a different thing. But if, if they need me to like customize somebody else's theme, I do not want to do it because it's like cooking in someone else's kitchen. I don't know where your knives are. I don't know where your spices are. I don't know how they're organized or your pots and pans and just makes it difficult. So I try and keep that in mind with my work and my, you know, design and code because I want if on the off chance that someone else has to come into my kitchen, I want to try and make it easy for them. But, you know, what's intuitive to me may not be intuitive to somebody else. So yeah, that's I, I just have I struggle. I, I love that WordPress makes it so easy for people to put their own theme on and, and get up and running. But I also it it's a struggle to then, you know, go and customize some of that stuff. And frankly, it's one of the reasons I don't like working in Squarespace and, and some of those other platforms as well, because I can't always get at the crux of what I need to. And in a theme, it's like I just don't know where where that is. I don't know where it's located, what file and it's like such a, a you know thread that I have to pull to find it. And I just don't want to take the time. Yeah, for sure. It's uh it can be a daunting task. That was, that was quite the, quite the project that one I was talking about, but uh, uh, there's the others that, that I'll, I'll look at a clean, you know, look at a theme and have to go and kind of dissect it. And it's uh, I'm like, wow, look how clean this is. It's like, so like the knives are over here, like you are saying knives and forks, you know, they keep everything or- organized and tidy, which is good. Um, so it just, again, it depends how it's, you know, initially coded out and, and use and stuff but so it does yeah Yeah. i mean like i shouldn't say you know never say never kind of thing like you know there are those instances where i you know i can look at something because you know we can look at the code and know what theme is in use and it might be something that we're familiar with or it might be something that you know is super clean and then yeah we can go ahead and make those changes but you know from that designer developer standpoint it's like it's not always a sure thing i guess is what i'm trying to say it's not always like you know the that's like the red flag when the client comes and like, oh, I can you just fix it? It's I know it'll take you five minutes. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I see where this is going. So the old like this will only take you five minutes, right? And you're like, no, it's a little more in depth than that, but but okay. <laughs> we'll give it a shot. Yeah, yeah and, and that five minutes turns into a billing billing of, you know, ten hours because <laughs> you were you were ten hours working on dissecting in somebody else's theme. <laughs> it's true, I know. Well and now with full site editing, we talked a little bit about this last week, but I haven't really had a need for full site editing just yet because most of my clients are coming to me and they want something like locked up pretty tight. We don't need to have that flexibility that that full site editing brings to the table. But, you know, I do like the the JSON, you know, kind of theme colors and stuff like that. The I think that's been a nice addition. But, you know, I, I haven't really had a need to mess around in full site editing yet because most of, you know, what my clients need is already set and designed and created and they're not going to mess with it. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit, I think, last week or the week before about the full site editor. I think people are so... Because they they get hooked on either a theme editor or a uh, um, page editor, you know they're happy with it. It's like I know it, I know it well. I'm going to use it. I don't want to change. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, I know. And with Gutenberg, like I have never been a huge fan of the theme editors. I understand what their purpose is, but I've never been a huge fan of them just because I find that, you know, they used to, some of them have improved, but they used to add so much extra stuff. So, and now with Gutenberg, it's fine because it's native to WordPress. So I try and make use of that wherever possible. But, you know, I do inherit those clients that were using, you know, Elementor, WP Bakery or whatever it is. And, you know, they're, I'm sure there's a home for some of them, but I try not to personally use those theme builders. And, you know, so one of the popular Elegant Themes, uh, it's a company Elegant Themes built, or uh, a theme which has a builder built in is Divi, D-I-V-E, D-I-V-I, excuse me. Um, personally, I don't like it only because it's it's uh, very, uh, not cluttered, what's the word, um, bulky, right? It started off very, very good, but they kept adding more and more stuff. And it's got a lot of stuff. You can do a lot of stuff and make things very easily, make things pages the way you want. But on the other side, it's, for me, very bulky. I'm like, thin this out, guys. Come on, give, a, give another clean, clean version of it. But I, I think it, it'll go through stages because they start off with a nice, clean, clean version. It got bulky and bulky, bulky and bulkier, excuse me. And then I think now they're going to be, you know, thinning it out eventually or dividing it up somehow. So it'll swing back the other way. <laughs> I know. Well, I think just out of necessity, right? Because the more and more, you know, like things like page speed become or are important to to Google and, and to SEO results, like you can't afford to have some of that bulk on there. And, you know, again, I do understand there it before Gutenberg was an option, you know, those those page editors were were clutch because you could make a page look however you wanted without having to enlist the help of a of a developer or an outside resource so i get it it's just uh, divi especially is like kind of it, it makes my the hair on the back of my neck stand up a little bit because i just feel like once you start using those um you are locked in for life man it just they make it so hard for better or for worse to to take your yourself and remove your your content from the site builder from the the page builder so I just try not to use them. Which I guess it, as a as a product type, uh, you know, marketing product type, uh, whatever thought, it, they that's probably their their thought. It's like okay, make it so you know uh, integrate you know integrate into their their systems so they people know how to know continue to use Divi or themes like that that no, they don't want to change right, knowing how you can change. So it, it's like oh, we want people to get locked in because of course they want people to use the product. So. Right. I mean, it's their business model, right? right. It's like so they there's still the other make side, money yeah. and, and pay the bills. <laughs> so I, yeah, which I do get that too as well. Yeah. It's just, I, I, I don't know. I, I have such a love hate relationship with them. WordPress is so flexible and it, it allows for so much. And especially now it's Gutenberg. I don't, I don't see the need for the page builders, but you know, I'm also coming at it from a, a design dev point of view and, you know, for someone who is not comfortable using code that might, you know, page builder might be that much easier for you. So I, I do see their, their value. It's just not something I prefer to use. And I think there's going to be more and more plugins that use the Gutenberg slash WP uh, WordPress block system. So that way they'll build it right in. So it'd be very easy to create your own blocks by not using code, by just doing, you know, drag and drop, create your own block system. <laughs> so that, that, that will, that will come also. And I was going to say something. Oh, I, so and 
you were talking, you reminded me, yeah, it's so, because WordPress is so, um, you know, open into whatever you want, I'm actually working on a project now. I can't say anything too much because the client hasn't released anything yet, but it's actually had made me think. I had to, I had to kind of go to, back to my whiteboard and see, because it's, it's on the, for the, for the admin side, for the user, how they input the data and get certain things how they want. It's, it was kind of a, Almost like a, like when I drew it out, it almost looks like spaghetti. It's like this to this to this. It's like I'm like, okay, hold on. How am I gonna you know easily create without comp- confusing the user? Of course, you know, just basically they want to you know click here, click here, type that kind of thing, and get that same result. So I'm working on that now to try to get that user, the back end user uh, admin, clean or nicer so that they can. Uh, untangling the the stereo wire i get it yes pretty much (laughs) you know it's stereo wire that i can't just say okay here's stereo wire go untangle it user gonna be like what what is this you know you can't you have to just show up you know here's a text you know here's a field here's a button that's it go for it you know so i'm trying to do it in a very nice clean way so i'm trying to figure out all right let's see if they do this and let's see how am i gonna do that you know so that's what i'm that's what i'm doing today There was a question from the audience asking about designing for mobile and desktop browsers. Here are the responses. If available, I always look at the analytics that my client has first because you're right, most of the time it's mobile heavy. It tends to be like like two-thirds mobile viewing, one-third desktop traditionally. But every once in a while I do have those clients, like I have one commercial real estate client and they are predominantly desktop viewers. So that kind of dictates how I proceed with the design. But I also start with my own base theme that I hand coded. And that's kind of my springboard for everything that I go off of. And then it's mobile first, because that's what I need more often than not. And so I design mobile first. And then like for that commercial real estate client, if there are any design decisions that need to be made, like I'll make it look good on a phone, but the nod is going to go to desktop. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I don't have the luxury of having the analytics available. And I actually, sidebar, I had this one client yesterday call me because I have been telling everyone with Google Analytics, like, hey, if you want to use Google Analytics, I highly suggest setting up G4, um, Google Analytics 4, GA4, because you'll get like a year of data now because they're sunsetting universal analytics, which um, I'm sure probably everyone has heard about this by now, but if not, Google is sunsetting and and getting rid of universal analytics. So you'll want to set up their Google Analytics 4. So that way you have some historical data collecting right now before they actually pull the plug on universal analytics on July 1st, 2023. But so this woman, she was like, I don't think I need Google Analytics. And I was like, well, okay. I mean, like, that's not my jam. I just set it up for you and like give you access to use it. I don't like do reports and stuff for you. So whatever you want. But I was shocked to hear that she just didn't care because she gets most of her business via word of mouth. She just really has a website. It's a brochure website on Squarespace, of course, uh, because she doesn't even need all of the functionality that WordPress brings. But you know, that right there, I don't have the luxury of looking at any, any analytics to see how I can improve her website for her. So that was a bit of a bummer. Mm, yeah, that's that's interesting that she doesn't want to track anything. Um, but that's, I mean, you know, it's it's ultimately, look, it's the, it's the client site. They, they, you know, you got to make it wherever they want to use. So yeah, it's, it's just so funny that she, you know, a lot of times people are, and I, I really need to 
get with Hillary on this. So she was talking about, she's based in Ireland and she's talking about Google Analytics is basically illegal to use. There's been a ruling in, I think, France and Austria and other EU countries will likely follow that Google's collecting too much data. So now everyone's like, oh gosh, like I don't want to use Google Analytics because there it's too much data being collected. But to not use it just because she doesn't want to, not for any like legal reason was interesting. Right. Cause you can suggest other ones like, was that pl plausible or I don't know, there's other analytics. I don't know how good they are, but you can suggest other things, but if she doesn't want to track anything, then that's kind of like, well, then she's not going to use anything. So <laughs> interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's so funny because a lot of, a lot of clients, they don't, they don't use the data until they need the data. And that's what I tried to explain to her was like, you know, you might want to just set this up just so it's there if you need it. Like, let's say a year from now, you decide you want to do advertising on Google. You know, yeah, it's not on your radar right this second, but maybe it will be later. And she's like, no, no, it's cool. I'm like, all right, at the end of the day, it's your call. I'm just trying to give you my best, best advice here, but you don't have to take it. That's all right. I, I won't be offended. I just, I'm a little surprised. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's surprising what, you know, people still are, you know, headset on, you know, they're like, nope, we've been doing this uh, this way for, you know, the whole time, you know, 30 years or whatever. So we'll just just leave it. Just let us do it our way. I'm like, oh, OK. <laughs> I know sometimes it's not it's not worth the battle to fight those things. So, I mean, that was also part of the conversation uh, was accessibility. Website accessibility is a big thing in my world right now and trying to get, you know, everyone's afraid of getting sued and, you know, making sure those websites are accessible, but still aesthetically pleasing. And it's just, it's such a balance that there's all these things that you don't necessarily, well, that when you're, you know, when you have a business or you, you need a website, not even for a business, but you need a website, you got to start thinking about, okay, is my website accessible? Yeah. Is it, you know, is it, is there some strategy behind it that's going to create the outcome that I want for the website? And that's, again, that's why clients come to us so we can help them with that. But there are just a lot of moving parts to it that sometimes people don't think about. And that's, that's what they pay us for to think about. <laughs> yeah. So Colleen, the, 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 uh, accessible plugins that you've, you've been using, are they getting better? A lot of them that I, I started, I didn't really haven't looked at them recently, but the ones I looked at like even six months ago or more, um, they didn't, I don't know, it just didn't seem, it seemed like they could be better. I don't know. Um, maybe they absolutely could be better. <laughs> they definitely could. The, the challenge is that most of them deal with visual impairments. They'll make, you know, they'll put like that little overlay, that little code of JavaScript creates like a, basically like a theme overlay. So a user on an individual level can change the contrast of the website. They can make the text bigger, smaller, you know, and so it's a lot of those visual cues, but you know, you got to think about as well, like photos and your images on the web. None of those plugins are going to create the alt text or the alt tag on your, your image for you. You know, that's something that if you don't have, if you're not doing that on a regular basis, when you upload images, that's going to be an empty alt. And then you have a visually impaired person who can't see that photo and they don't have an alt text to tell them or describe what that photo is about. So that's an interesting one. Interesting question about the plugins, because a lot of them will only deal with like really kind of topical or, or like top level ADA issues. The interesting one that I've kind of been goofing around with is Accessibility. 
and they have they're using AI technology to like create things like alt missing alt text in in an alt tag in an image, you know. So that's that's an interesting idea. Interesting. So so they are oh, good. So there are ones that are that are getting a little more advanced, so, so to speak. Good they know. are. It's the problem is is that these solutions. It's it's kind of the. I liken it to the uh, the problem with like electric vehicles. Some of them are just so expensive that it's like I want to do the right thing and get an electric vehicle, right? Not not use gas anymore. That would be the the right thing to do for the client. But I can't afford some of these electric vehicles. Well, same thing with website accessibility. Like I want my website to be accessible. I want you know everyone to be able to use it, and I want to do the right thing because making a website accessible is the right thing. But like. I can't necessarily afford $400 a year for, you know, just to make sure that I'm using AI technology to make it affordable. So I'm, I'm hoping that as this technology evolves, it will become a little bit more cost effective. And because I think that's part of the barrier that, that, you know, people with websites are, are coming up against. It's just like, Oh God, I just really can't justify the cost of having, you know, a $500 a year or whatever the subscription is, you know, for, for someone like me, I, I can code what I need to code and feel comfortable with where my site's at. But, you know, for someone who wants to make sure that they're covered and this isn't their wheelhouse, some of these plugins look like easy fixes. And, you know, like I, I'm familiar with UserWay. That's been one that you know, you, it's free. You can, you know, they have paid solutions too, but UserWay has offers a like free out of the box option. And it's, trust me, certainly better than nothing. It, it does, does help. And it, cause it adds that control panel that I talked about with, you know, the increasing the font size and doing this and that to make it, make a site more accessible. But again, it doesn't cover an alt tag. It's not like you, it's not a, you know, flick the switch and suddenly you're covered forever kind of thing. So just like your website is kind of a living, breathing document that you can't just be like, okay, I'm done with it. And then walk away and cross it off your list. Like you need to continually update your WordPress files. You need to, you know, update your, your code from time to time, you know, not only from security, but for accessibility reasons. And I think that's the problem is that it's just, it's a, you know, to get a, a better solution, is just really expensive. Well, like with anything, you know, the the new things that come out is going to be expensive. But I think as more and more people, you know, or more companies that create the advanced ones or whatever you want to call them, it's going to have to become more economical. Um, so that the prices will will drop. I, that's what I see. You know, hopefully it's not going to be you know wait forty years. You know, hopefully it'll be within the next year or two. <laughs> Agreed. I know. I'm I'm hopeful as well because I do think it's an important thing. And you know, having working out in California and in Napa Valley, I do have a lot of winery clients and there are specific industries that are being targeted for website ADA violations and, and litigation. I, all of my clients want to do the right thing. They do, but they don't have deep pockets. I know everyone, you know, wine is kind of like a luxury item and everything, but unless you are like a really big corporation, you're, most of them are like, farmers that are just trying to eke by kind of thing. Um, so they don't have a lot of money to spend on on things like constant accessibility or constant, you know, upgrades. And that's a lot of times why they use WordPress is because it's the barrier to entry is low. You can get a website up and running quickly. You can, um, you know, set automatic updates if you want to. So at least your code's staying up to date. But 
yeah, it's just, you know, we gotta, we gotta find some middle ground where we're offering a good solution to users and, you know, the, the website owners, you know, just to kind of bring it back to WordPress. It's, I, I, I like WordPress because I can make it do what I need to do in order to find that middle ground, you know, whereas, and, and I haven't worked in platforms like Wix or some of the other ones. I've only really worked in like Squarespace because I can't access the full code in Squarespace. It's frustrating. Yeah. We always, you know, we always talk about that, you know, bend, bend WordPress to our will, you know, because the, the WordPress framework is like, okay, here's the base framework. They're like, it's open source. Do what you need, you know, and which proves it. I mean, look how many themes and plugins have, you know, there there are that you know for WordPress. That just means that all of those themes and plugins are you know tapping into you know that framework to do it. So that there's there's so much you can do functionality wise. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's yeah, it's just a, a good base. Rather than you know, I've I've done this before where you know I, I create my own framework so to speak uh without anything you know just so it has all the classes and all the things you know to to, to handle we can log in you can add your own you know basically like like a wordpress but i'm like why am i reinventing the wheel and why am i doing you know unless a custom a, a, a client needs something that's really custom that's not going to work that i can't make work and work for us for whatever reason i'll go that route but otherwise it's like they give you the the WordPress. They, they they give you the framework and then have it set up ready. So just build off that. Absolutely, Adam and I host this room every Wednesday at one p.m. Eastern, ten a.m. Pacific. Had to make sure I did my math right there. So we would love for you to join us next week. If you do have any topics or questions, you can feel free to reach out to us on Instagram. You know, you don't think of anything now, but maybe during the week you're like, oh, I wish I could, you know, run this by somebody. We are always happy to field those and we can talk about that in the WordPress shop here on Wednesdays. But thank you for joining us. We want to thank you for coming and spending time out of your day here with us in the WordPress shop. Okay. That concludes this episode. Our hosts will return with another topic in the next episode. Bye-bye, everyone.